Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow Well, welcome, welcome, welcome back to Blog Talk Radio, and uh, we call this The Catch, and my name is John Fisher, I'm your host, and I also write a daily blog that we send via email uh, out to our audience, and you can sign up for it at uh, catchjohnfisher.com. Dot com. It's that easy. Catchjohnfisher.com. You just spell that F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And you can sign up for our daily blog. And this is our weekly uh, radio show where I get to have a guest. And uh, usually uh, my chance to share some really wonderful people I have gotten to know over the years with uh, all of you. And uh, that's the most fun part about this for me. Um, <clears throat> today is no exception, um, and uh, although I don't know this gentleman uh, uh, tremendously well, I knew him more when he was when he was a little kid. We'll talk about that. Um, but I'm fascinated with what he's doing. We're most of our guests that we have on are involved um, directly in the society around them in deep ways, in ways that uh, we can learn about and we can grow from and perhaps even uh, get involved in ourselves. And uh, we're going to find out a lot about that today with our guests. So I'm, I've got to call him up, though. This will be interesting. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if we get him. Um, <clears throat> we had a little trouble earlier getting on. Bram? Hey, John, this is Bram. Hey. How are you, Bram? Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, I'm fine. It's a pleasure to be with we you. Are, we are, yeah, we are now on the air, and um, I can hear you well. This is exciting. Uh, I was just telling our listeners a little bit about, about you, and uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go back and do a little nostalgia thing here, if you don't mind. Oh, please. But... Um, <laughs> for uh Bram's Bram's dad is Cam. Uh Cam Floria and he was the one who organized and was the brainchild behind uh, con- uh Continental Singers went all over the world uh with very many various singing groups and incredible ministry over the years and then Cam was also the brainchild behind Uh, Estes Park, Colorado, which turned uh, the Christian Artist Seminar in the Rockies, which turned into kind of the Christian music event of the year. And uh, that's where I would have remembered Cam, although he would have been just a little kid running around getting in trouble. Um, Always. Am I right about that, Cam? (laughs) 
Oh boy. And uh now now uh he's into just involved uh with the world in very uh very connected with the world in many ways. Um grew out of all this music. Uh he can tell us some of that. But uh his main uh work right now is with uh Compassion Radio. And uh I'm gonna have him tell us a little bit about Compassion Radio because uh from what I can tell uh it's a half hour daily program is not just that. Uh it looks like they have got their fingers <laughs> into ministry and into missions and what's going on all around the world. Uh I can't even begin to contain how, how that works. Yeah. So Tell us a little bit about uh, the history behind Compassion and and uh, what 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 do you guys do? What kind of radio show is this? <laughs> well, thanks, John. Uh, God's got yeah. his fingers in a lot of pies out there, and that means we get our fingers pretty wet. Man, we got our fingers in a few <laughs> of those pies that God's got going around the world, and we're happy to be part of that global movement, which is bringing Christ into places he's never been before and in bringing home the story of how God is doing incredible things in communities that got to know him thousands of years ago. So there is a continuity here, a family, a long family tree that we're tapping into. And not many people in the West, especially in America, even think past their grandparents. But when you think about a church that knew Jesus first person, some churches in the world that we work with are still speaking the same language that Jesus spoke. So the opportunity to tap into that culture, what was going on when Jesus taught those parables, that's the kind of thing that is alive and well with many, many believing fellowships all around the world. And we bring those stories back home here to the West every day. You have so much going on with this uh, radio, uh, this this half hour. Tell us a little bit what what a typical half hour is going to be, and then um, then then how does that work it, its way out into the community uh, and the world? Well, our history is based on one of the oldest teaching ministries that's been on radio here in the West. In fact, uh, the morning chapel hour started back in 1944, and there was like a, maybe a handful of radio programs back then that were bringing teaching and talk and devotional things to the entire nation back then, and we were one of them. The Haven of Rest might be another. There are a couple other things about Children's oh, Bible yeah. Hours stuff that started way back then, too. But that program existed in that format of devotional and music for about 50 years, and my predecessor was the son of the founder. His name was Norm Nelson, and he spent another 40 years morphing the ministry into one that was very activist, so not only teaching and encouraging, but activating the, the troops to go do things for the kingdom of God that they'd never done before. So they started stepping out and doing things like shipping Bibles to the underground church in China back in the 80s and 90s when it wasn't even possible, much less legal. Um, got behind the Iron Curtain and behind the, uh, the bamboo curtains and started dealing with the underground church wherever it was found and then started finding the stories of persecution. So that just kind of tipped the scales for Norm. He got much more interested in what God is actually doing in these areas where there's really truly first century church going on. So he spent a lot of time with these pastors and these evangelists and these faith leaders that were behind those 
those firewalls, you know, so he would spend time in Iraq before both of the wars. He got to know the Christian leaders in the middle of some seriously Shia and Sunni communities and finding out how they were bringing Christ across the street to their neighbors who were fighting each other at the time. So he was right there on the front lines of where faith intersects with the, the worst of humanity and bringing the best of Christ yeah. to the middle of it. So that was the stuff that was going on back in the 90s. And because of that, it kind of morphed into what is now Compassion Radio, because that name came from a bunch of people that saw Norm and Cher going through Gaza Strip back in 94, right after one of the second intifadas. And they were the only Western ministry that managed to get in there because they literally rode the coattails of Brother Andrew into the Hamas University area of Gaza. And they were the only Westerners that were in the middle of that, trying to bring relief to the underground church that was there. And there were hundreds of thousands of people that professed faith in Jesus that were living in the West Bank and in Gaza at the time. And they were just stunned that they actually made it through the green line across the wall and were in the middle of this war zone doing anything. So they asked what their name was. They said, well, we don't have a name right now. We're kind of between names. We've been the morning chapel hour, but we're here because of you. And they said, well, what you do is compassion. You, you brought us blankets. You brought us, you know, the word of God in print form. We haven't had that in years. You're just, you're, to us, you're compassion radio. So the name kind of stuck. <laughs> and that's what we've been ever since the end of the nineties. Yeah. So you would be, you, you would, when you say you're, you're just doing radio, but you're also physically in these places. How, how is that just norm or, who else is involved uh, doing that? Where, where is this physical presence coming from? Well, we're tapping into the people that are fighting way above their weight class. So you talk about individuals and uh, really spirit-ordained ministries that are happening in these countries. Now, they're not on the scale of World Vision or other major international relief organizations, but we're not really trying to be the next relief organization just to bring in material relief. We're trying to find out where are the movers and shakers that God is literally using to transform countries and cultures from the inside out. So I know you were talking earlier today when we discussed the idea of grace inside out. For me, grace inside out Mm -hmm. is compassion because it is the thing that expresses the favor that you've received from Christ. So someone who's experienced that favor, who has that identity in Jesus, is going to turn right back around and share the whole value of that, like the, the cup pouring over, the overflow of the passion, the love, mm-hmm. and the, just a sense of, of reward and a godly entitlement to something that we never should have had a right to. But it turns right back around and says, because I am so rich in Jesus, I can't help but reach out to you where you are in your need and help make you rich too. Mm-hmm. So that to me is how compassion plays itself out for us, is by going to these places and encouraging the leaders, first of all, that they're serving their people and bringing Jesus to them and giving their whole lives up. I mean, they're being consumed every day and just remind them that they're not forgotten and that people are back here are praying for them. We're sending money to help them with some of their projects, but most of all to let them know that you're part of a family here and our folks have not forgotten you. I mean, I can't tell you how important that message is to carry to somebody who doesn't believe that God has anything beyond the borders they can see. But when they tap into something that is truly across time across borders, across political spectrums, across nationalities, and they see the kingdom superimposing itself on all of these things. They just, they warm to this, and they, they really truly believe that God is speaking directly to them because he sent them this ambassador. 
So just in going to hear their wow. stories, you're literally carrying the compassion of Christ with you, and you have a certain kind of cachet and authority that you wouldn't have unless you actually went. So just by going, you have a certain kind of authority. Wow. Um, so you would be uh, – Compassion Radio would be in Israel and in Palestine, right? Oh, Absolutely. In fact, that's some of the tangles we have with some of the tourist agencies is that people want to take us places. But we always ask them, okay, so where are the Christians around here that we're not seeing? There are people that are living on both sides of the Green Line here in the Holy Land, so let's meet them all. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rankles some feathers sometimes. But, yeah, we spend time with Bethlehem Bible College dealing with the evangelists that are being trained there to reach the Muslim territories, and especially within the West Bank. We also spend time with the Messianic believers across the Green Line on the other side. So just in that one little 100-square-mile area, we're dealing with wherever Christ can be found. Now, you go to Iraq, and you've that. got the Aramean Church, and you've got the, the very core of the Chaldean Church. And we're talking people that go back to Aramaic as their, their worship language. They're tied all the way in through Assyria back to the very beginning of the church. They can name the apostles who came to them and brought the gospel with them. And the forms of worship they taught them by rote back then to do as part of their daily worship. And they're still doing the very things, literally saying the same words, singing the same songs that they were taught by the apostles. And that, that taps you into something that is absolutely first generation. And that gets me, and I think about it, a whole lot closer to who Jesus was. Now, how on earth have you made all these connections. Well, you're just a radio show. How, yeah, how, and how's this happened? <laughs> the first step for Norm, when he stepped out, he already had, he had like three doctors at the time already because he studied at the uh, Trinity University in Dublin and at Oxford and Stanford. And he'd been around. I mean, he got his first degree at Princeton. So he was definitely an academic. Wow. Now, from that came a lot of invitations to do things with academia. So visit other academics at other universities, international. And then when he started meeting these pastors that were starting these movements in China and in Vietnam and in Central Asia, where their evangelism had grown from a house church of 20 people to 20 million people in the course of 10 years, and they were still doing the same thing, still mentoring, still sending out, still raising up new apostles of this generation. He looked at them and said, these are the doctorates of our generation. It's not the guys back in our colleges. So he started spending time sitting at their feet saying, what is God teaching you? I need to sit at your feet for a while. And as he started doing that, of course, at, that, out of that came a kind of conversation that made its way back into radio. And those interviews were mind-blowing for the audience because we never thought about these people having a, an in with the Holy Spirit himself. But because of the very fact that they were available and a, a useful tool in a place that God was doing something extraordinary in this generation, they were by all means firsthand witnesses to the glory of God doing things that had not ever been successful but had been prayed for and had been modeled over generations past. So you hear about some of these seminal missionaries that went to China or to Burma back in the late 1800s who maybe won one or two people or maybe a dozen over the course of their lifetimes. But from that seed, a generation that went exponential. So the faithfulness wow. of the one became the, the life of the many, even though they didn't see it in their own lifetimes. 
So that taught Norm at that time that it's way bigger than just going to seminaries. God's doing something in this generation he's never done before. So those stories started coming back. And from that came the invitations to start going with people who were doing these things. So we went with the Bible League back in the early 90s and smuggled Bibles into Vietnam and into China. As you can imagine, my mom, who was with them at that time, strapping Bibles onto her legs and arms with duct tape and going into these countries. That's what she was doing during those years. And, of course, those are intrepid stories. They're following right in the footsteps of Brother Andrew at that point. And then after that, getting to sit down with some of these underground leaders and just uh, – I can't tell you how many stories sit around just having a meal with somebody in some forsaken little corner or in an alleyway that led to something big. But that's been the wow. history for the past 20 or 30 years for our ministry. And I'm doing the same thing this year. Norm is now pat, uh, kind of the pastor and president emeritus, and now I'm sitting in the chair full time. And I'll be traveling to China later this fall to see what's happening with, her, with the um, revivals that are now happening in the three-self church. And if anybody out there that you've talked to knows much about the Chinese church, the home church, the underground church, has been where most of the growth has been. The three-self church has been the one that's been run by the government. Now imagine the government-run church that always has – it's full of spies, and all their pastors are raised to be spies. Imagine one of those churches getting hit by the Holy Spirit and coming alive. That's beginning to happen. And my, and my pastor last year got invited over to a revival. I asked him where he was going. I, I knew where the church was. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You've been invited to come do a revival in a three-self church. He said, yeah, I don't know much about that, but I'm going. And they went there. They had like a whole week of revival and – it was a purging, if you want to put it that way, of spiritual forces. They had direct encounters with spiritual forces against them. They saw many people just completely healed of demon possession and other uh, kinds of uh, oppressions. They saw the Word of God finally get into hearts and correct error that had never been corrected before. And that church came alive for Jesus. And now they're working alongside their underground church brothers to bring the gospel forward. And I get to be part of that coming this fall. Um, there'll be many other places like that. I'll be traveling to get these stories as well. But yes, the uh, the legacy, the 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 vision, the the passion that Compassion Radio has become is something that I've pulled into myself with my whole heart, and we're carrying this forward as fast as we can. Wow, wow. You know, it, it almost seems to me, Bram, it's it's like it's it's like you guys <clears throat> know almost know more about the kingdom of God. Than anybody. <laughs> I mean, that's kind it, of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would seem like that. Um, just because you're going wherever it's happening, and yeah. uh, uh, that I, I love that. I love that idea, that model. Um, <clears throat> what? So that that would give you. Uh, I know you, you've already touched on this a little bit, but talk a little bit more about. I know this is awfully broad, but I mean, what is it like? What is God up to in the world? And um, uh, what is, what, if anything, does it have to do with us here in America? Mm. Um, A couple of observations I'd make from Jesus walking around. The gospel is a dusty business and you're not going anywhere in this world where God is doing stuff where it's not going to be a little dirty where you're not going to get grit in your eyes and your teeth. Because I really believe that Jesus wanted to experience and feel every bit of his creation. And he's sending people in the same way now. 
that are going to the end of the road and then picking up their backpack and hiking up the hill. So the places where his gospel is going now, if you followed around the Jesus Project, if you follow around some of these orality ministries which are bringing the, the last mile gospel to tribes that have never heard the gospel before, this is the generation where every believing body, I think, that God intends to plant is going to be planted. There's going to be a believing or at least a witness happening in every language on this planet. I believe that's going to happen before the century is out, which means that some of us that are listening today are going to be alive at the time when God has completely, finally, in every tongue and every people, have a witness to his gospel and the truth of Jesus. So I, that to me is exciting because it, it's kind of like we're into our last sprint as a church. I don't know what's beyond that. I have no idea what kind of dispensation he has for us and what the church is going to do or if it really is the end of times or the beginning of something new. I'm not an apologist for a doctrinal position. All I know is that when you see the finish line in sight, you don't slow down. You dig down deep, and you take one last gulp of air, and you go for it. And I, I see people doing that right now. There are people in all these countries that can see the finish line, and they're not wasting time. They don't want to miss out on the opportunity to be at the celebration at the finish line. So that's yeah. what's happening now, and that's worldwide. And so you talk to some of these Western missionaries that are thinking in terms of technology and how to get the last translations done, how to get the word into every kind of app and technology possible. That's all part of it. And then on the other end, you've got these people that have just accepted Jesus and have gotten one of these audio Bibles and are strapping it to their heads so they can get, get the, the solar recharge going on their little panel. And they're walking across the desert to go bring the gospel to new tribes. And they're hearing the word of God for miles and miles and miles as they go. And by the time they get there, because they're such good studies, they've already memorized like a book of Mark. And they get there and they just start preaching from the word of God by memory. And then the spirit comes and starts changing hearts. I mean, that's the kind of stuff the spirit's doing now. Wow. Now, wow. when you bring back the story, I'm not just trying to bring back the facts or the who, what, where, why, and whence. What I'm trying to do with the program is simply say, okay, this happened in their lives. What do you going to do about it? Do you want to see something transformational happen to you where you live? And there are obviously many ways you can apply the gospel in a compassionate outward focus right where you live and become one of those featherweights that are hidden with the big boys and pushing back the strongholds and bringing transformation to communities that have never believed it was possible to change or to see any way out of the predicament they're in. I mean, the entire world is full of emotional and spiritual Detroits. And there are people that are going right in the middle of this place and saying, no, you are a Jerusalem. You are a light on a hill. Let me show you what Jesus can do in you because he's already doing it in me. And that's the kind of light that I want to go on, listeners here in the West, that from small town Iowa to inner cities to wherever else, people say, I want to do something more right where I am and try to get the network with people that are doing things like they're doing. So if I had an ambition over the next couple of years, it would be to refocus some of our time and start looking for people that are doing that kind of passionate work, chasing the coattails of Jesus all around this country and doing things that are really inspirational that ought to be emulated in many other places. And then cross yeah. those stories with all these other global stories so that we can see yeah. in yeah. its all its richness what God's doing throughout his kingdom. Where where would where do we, where would we find 
stories like that? Where would we find people who are doing that right right here in our own country? Well, the metaphor simply is if you catch the coattail of Jesus, he's going to notice because he's headed somewhere. So that's where I want to be is chasing the coattails. So if you're seeing the imprint of Jesus, if you're seeing people, probably folks that are part of your own community, John, that are already doing things that are, they're not quite entitled to do, but that God has anointed them to do, they're on the front lines. So if you have people that are brave enough to get into places and take up the people that the church is ignoring, and they're being Jesus in those places, and they're sharing the purity of the gospel, not clothing it up in all kinds of dandyisms or burying it in Phariseeisms, but they're actually loving people into Jesus, not loving people just to be nice to them, but loving them to something, bringing them to the altar of God and letting them be transformed by God's power. And you hear stories like that of people that have done these things or have witnessed firsthand testimony stories. That's where the church is doing its thing the way God intended. I would look for those people first. So they may be the outfit, the outcasts or the misfits in the church. But if you hear those stories that, the God did something in the midst of what they were doing and they're going places that you haven't heard about, pay attention because God's revivals always come from the wildernesses of our lives. And I'm sure that the Pharisees and Sadducees back in Jesus time were not expecting Jesus to come out of the woodwork like he did. And he had to spend his time in the desert. He had to go down there and get baptized by John. They went to the places that no one was expecting except for the weirdos. And like it or not, Jesus came out of the hippie culture of the first century. So there he marches back up the hill and says, okay, city, this is what God has to say. And I'm the one that's going to say it. I'm the one that's going to live it. In fact, I am it. Um, that's, that's the kind of people we're looking for, is those people who are not afraid or ashamed to speak with authority that comes from the Holy Spirit himself and take care of business, love people, and go places that the more prudent wouldn't. That's where I would be looking. Wow. Wow. That was profound. I, I'm so glad we got that down. Because, um, you know, it's it's so hard. I think when you go around, you, you're talking about being in so many places in the world where where the gospel is just breaking through and Everything's so visceral. It's right, right on that tip. And well, like you said, demons are being cast out and people getting healed. The Holy Spirit is active. Things are happening. And, and then you, you look at us here in America and we're just, you know, churched out to death. And we, you know, we don't, <clears throat> nothing very exciting ever happens to us. You know, except, you know, uh, what we saw in the movies or on TV, you know, and uh, uh, oh, my gosh, we're just we're just being lulled to sleep here. And uh, and it's not easy. I don't you know, it's not easy. And I think you've given us a, a couple clues there on how we can start maybe to find out what God is really doing right next to us. And here's a good example for you. A couple of days ago, a good friend. She's an artist, put up a question, one of those prompts, and said, what does grace look like to you? And so her friends all started giving all kinds of beautiful and very eloquent explanations and definitions. And that conversation went on for a while. 
a couple people kind of came in with these oddball answers. I thought about it later thinking, no, 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 the oddball ones had it. Because what she asked is, what does grace look like to you? And so I had to think about that for a second. I said, grace to me is cold water. I can see that. I know what it feels like when cold water goes into me on a hot day. And I live in Texas, and you know, you're in a beautiful part of the country where you've got the ocean breezes every day. We don't always get that in August. And during the summer, man, it is so nice getting those rivers where you know a spring's behind it because you're going to float along on this incredible ribbon of cool. And that, to me, is what grace is. It is bracing. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable, but it's something that you desire beyond all measure. It's, just, it's almost irrational. You want it so bad. That, to me, is what I see when I think of grace. And so I asked her about that later. I said, how many of your answers that came back were visual? And how many of them were all rational and full of thought? And we counted them up together. It was something like 95 answers were all theological in words. And about 10 came back as visual images. And I thought, you know, this is the way Jesus taught. Wow. He taught visually. Every, every parable you enter into, you could, it was theater of the mind. It was radio of the day. You were thinking about being that person in that place or having to endure that thing. It was an experience. He didn't just talk ideas or theory. He told you stories that you could taste it, you could feel it, you could smell it. And the whole prodigal to me is so full of fragrances. Some good, some very bad. But that to me is where the gospel comes alive, is when you're in, immersed in the world of senses. And I don't think that worship, when it's really sweet, can be anything but fragrant. And, but there can be lots of ways you can define things that can be as dry as sand and have no flavor. Um, I think we, and, and you've been in this ancient future movement with worship, just tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. We miss that so much in a rational culture. So I think God's yeah. going to bring that back to us by this encounter with the Eastern Church and the Southern Church. Have you seen it? Have you tasted it? If you haven't, let me, let me bring you to the table. Let's eat together here and, and savor it, not just talk about it. That's great. I love it. You know, here at the catch, we've kind of coined the phrase, grace turned outward. Um, yeah. What does that what what does that mean to you? What does grace turned outward say to you? <clears throat> Maybe I should ask you, what does that look like to you? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I was actually I was thinking of a visual. Uh this past week I was looking <laughs> through eBay at a collector's edition of an old Bulova Accutron watch, a space view. Have you seen those? They're an old watch yeah. that was worn. They were, they were real popular back then for astronauts and stuff. I love those things because they're almost like a skeleton watch, but they're electronic. And you look right through there. And I remember as a kid, just every time I saw something that had an exploded view or had a see-through, I was fascinated by being able to look inside the guts of the thing and see how it's ticking, see how it's moving, understanding what it was about, not just what it did. You know. And so I was thinking about that this past week, and you mentioned it. And I really enjoy those watches. I love those tuning fork watches. You actually can watch the thing vibrate inside there and make the yeah. wheels go round and round. And, and so for me, that was fascinating because it was just beautiful because it was. But when grace turns itself outward, you get to see what's making it tick. 
it's not just you receiving something and putting it in your little treasure box and up on the shelf to admire next to your grandfather's ashes in the urn on the altar, I mean, on the uh, mantle of the fireplace. This is something where you've disassembled it. This is the erector set where your kid got out the screwdriver and disassembled everything about it and has ruined your mixer or whatever else, but has had a thrill of his life finding out how the thing ticked. Um, that I believe that grace needs to be tinkered with. It needs to be turned inside out so we can see what God's really doing in there. And you're going to see that by letting others share in it and experience it from the inside out. And I think in turning grace inside out or outward, you're exposing the real person that God was ministering to in the first place. They get to see you in response to that grace. They see the oh. way you receive it and how you're, how you're loving it so much mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't not share it. Um, you have a lot to talk about when you talk about how it's been moving inside you. you know, when you go back to your doctor and talk about how the medicine worked in you, you talk about what it actually did inside your body. You don't just talk about what people said when they saw you at work the next day. The doctor wants to know, did the drug do this thing in you that we designed it to do? You know, so that's, that's a more intimate conversation. So I think race is meant to be like that, too. It's meant to be really, truly traveled through and, and dissected and chewed on and and mulled over by people when they say, what is it about you that's so different? What <laughs> happened to you? Why are you different? When they ask those kind of questions, how can we not tell the story? Wow. Graham, I, uh, I uh, had no idea. I, I thought this was going to be good, but uh, you've exceeded all my expectations. This was wonderful. And uh, we're just going to have to have you on again. Um, We'd love I to like do the that. Way now, you think, and I, I like the way you express yourself. So this was great. Good yes. news. Now, your, what were your, you going to say? Your family out there needs to understand that if I have any creativity at this point in my life, it has, in no small measure, to the kind of faith you exemplified when I was a kid, because I got to watch you making music, and you did all the things that were not done in church back in those days. And I remember learning meaningful choreography and the whole love them in the morning when the sun horizon. I mean, that was, by definition, the word of God, because I got to act it out with my very body. So you can't think of a John Fisher song from back in the 70s or late 60s that didn't have some kind of embodiment. And so I learned from you early on, friend, that when you express yourself, it's going to be quirky, full of joy. It's going to yank some chains but it's going to get at your heart. And that's what I learned from you when I was a kid. And that's still carried over now. I have not forgotten that. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, my friend. You've, you've sure made my day. And uh, Good to hear. Um, we will. We'll have you again. And uh, uh, how, how about if people want to find out more about uh, Compassion, Compassion Radio? How, how do they do that? Well, it's not all that much of rocket science. Just go to CompassionRadio.com. We do have a, a form there if people can send prayer requests or questions or emails. But I'll also give you my direct email um, at Compassion Radio so you can mm-hmm. get in touch with me directly if you'd like. It's simply Bram at CompassionRadio.com. And, of course, Bram is spelled B-R-A-M as in marbles at CompassionRadio.com. I'd love to hear from any of your folks because I, everything I've heard and the testimony you put up on your newsletters have been gems to me. I've been really inspired by the folks and what they've been able to pour into you and how they've responded to your teaching over the years. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a great group of people. 
And uh, yeah, we're having church now, Bram, on uh, Sunday nights on uh, Facebook Live. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. So you can see how great your hair really uh, is. Trying now. some new things. <laughs> so uh, I'll make sure I drop no, in on one of those sessions. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and also, you know, I noticed that uh, at CompassionRadio.com, you you can. Um, you can find all the radio shows right there. Just uh, yeah, the just podcasts like available you can every find day. our blog talks. Yeah, exactly. And it goes and, back. Uh, we have like two years they, worth of, of history there. Right, and they look fascinating. I mean, I the, just just the last two, uh, yesterday and today, were uh, with someone who is uh, involved with Islam and what uh, what is hap- what Christ is, is doing in Islamic countries as people, uh, Muslims who are coming to know Christ these days. So, yep, uh, and they are fascinating. And there are a lot of miraculous yep. ways they're coming to Christ too. The revelations themselves are stunning. And there's a, you want to go back to something wow. that's really offbeat. I did a series back in January with some good friends who were missionaries in Ethiopia for a lot of years that decided to step out the, the side of the walls and do something different. There's one called uh, liquor mama and the witch doctor. And that series will take you inside what's happening in true first century kind of witness and how people are coming to Christ and transforming Ethiopia even now. So look for those kind of titles. They're, they're all very quirky and they're all very real. That's great. That's great. Well, we got to, this is just the beginning. We got to partner somehow here. This is exciting. Uh, I'll find a way, friend. Thank, thank you, you so for inviting much, me. Prim. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. God Have bless. Yeah. Thank you. There you go, folks. That was so good. Okay, Compassion.com. Go find out about it. God is working where it's quirky. I love it. (laughs) That was fun. Okay, God bless everybody. Have a good rest of your week.